Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway. Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, welcome back on a Tuesday. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you as always. Absolutely. So, Shane, I know since we last spoke, lawmakers were able to come together to avoid a government shutdown coming to a temporary debt ceiling agreement. I know this is something we had talked about in the weeks leading up to this eventual temporary agreement. Though, as a refresher, Shane, can you remind us of what the terms of this agreement consisted of and where do we go from here with respect to the debt ceiling? Yeah, so uh, great question. And this is important to uh, for us to talk about as it could have a real uh, impact on the markets. But uh, I think whenever we do this, it's important to kind of level set and uh, talk about there are two separate issues that are being uh, kind of combined here or, you know, um, being closely associated that confuses the conversation, but also, um, you know, as I said, if they're tied together, we still have to understand what's going on. First is government funding. Um, you know, government funding has been extended through December 3rd, so there won't be a government shutdown in that time period. Second is uh, the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling has been increased. Uh, well, um, I should say the Senate passed an increase to the debt ceiling of $480 billion. And that would roughly get you to the same time period as uh, government is funded. Now, the Senate passed that uh last week and the house should actually pass it today tuesday the 12th um so what is being set up here is essentially um this fall is going to be um very critical to government funding and ensuring that uh the u.s does not default on its debt now uh, this is um as this came together just a few days ago in the senate the Debt ceiling was passed in a bipartisan manner with 11 uh, Republicans joining uh, Democrats. So this was, you know, um, a kind of a, a an agreement that, you know, Republicans were trying to help avoid a potential crisis to the economy. Now, when this happened, you know, Senate Majority Leader Schumer had some tough words that were not well received. Uh, by Republicans. And this kind of poisoned the well and is setting up for what's probably going to be a very dramatic uh, fall, uh, early winter at the end of this year. So, uh, you know, I think we can breathe easily for today, uh, but we need to be very conscious of this, um, you know, especially around the Thanksgiving time and how this is going to play out. It sounds like we have some runway ahead of us, though, as we know, especially this time of year, time flies. Thanksgiving will be here before we know it, so there will be a lot to track as we follow negotiations within D.C. in the coming weeks. So more to follow up on there, though, Shane, over the weekend, uh, we heard from President Biden as he did call on congressional lawmakers, namely those within his own party, to come together on uh, the infrastructure spending bill, the Build Back Better plan. So what's the pitch from the White House, what is President Biden really stressing to his congressional colleagues, and what are the prospects for a deal of any size getting done at this point? Yeah, what he's stressing is unity, saying, you know, Democrats, hey, we need to come together. 
um, we were elected to uh, pass into law some major legislation, and it's two parts right now. It's the infrastructure bill, which is $1.2 trillion, uh, which has already passed the Senate and is waiting uh, for the House to take it up. Now, the House is holding um, right now. I'm asking on that because uh, that, uh, especially progressive Democrats really want to um, push hard on the social infrastructure spending, which, uh, you know, right now is being talked about in for the size of $3.5 trillion, but that's going to come down. So, you know what, and the, this is, as I said, you know, the goal of progressives, while moderates really are focused on that um, infrastructure bill of $1.2 trillion. So at this time, President Biden's trying to bring Democrats together and say, we're going to do this together. Let's all get on the same page and do and move quickly to do this. So I think this is him trying to rally the troops, you can say. I think at the end of the day, you know, that three and a half trillion dollars of social infrastructure that includes many of the tax increases that we've talked about and written about in the Washington Weekly, um, you know, is going to get scaled back. Uh, three and a half trillion dollars is uh, a little bit too high of a price tag for certain moderates. I think it'll be scaled back to something around two trillion dollars, but that is very fluid. So, you know, I think the best case scenario for Democrats is to have this done. Uh, by the end of October, but realistically, we're probably uh, in the November time frame. Um, you know, uh, at this moment, they're they're trying to essentially negotiate the final bill. But you can imagine uh, a bill that large. You know, you don't negotiate in a matter of days. It's more uh, weeks to negotiate. So uh, this is going to be uh, uh, something that we continue to talk about. And, you know, I think you know, uh, maybe by Thanksgiving we could have something into law, uh, but we'll see how this plays out. There's always the chance that this falls apart and doesn't happen. It has been, and it sounds like it will continue to be a process and one that we will track very closely. So thank you, Shane, for bringing us up to speed on where we stand today. And of course, we'll continue to have follow-up conversations on this as we learn more in the coming weeks. Now, maybe as we close out, switching gears a bit, there has been much anticipation over whom President Biden will nominate to lead the Federal Reserve, whether it be current Chairman Jerome Powell or perhaps someone new. So what have you been hearing, Shane, and how soon before the president might make an announcement on this? Yeah, no. So first, I think we have to set the baseline of that uh, Chairman Powell's term as chairman um, goes until early 2022. So I think it's uh, February of 2022. So it's a few months away, but there is all this uh, noise starting to grow about it. You know, progressives like uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, all saying that, you know, he should not be renominated and trying to rally progressives against uh, uh, Chairman Powell uh, continuing to serve as chair. Um, you know, and, you know, Treasury Secretary Yellen, President Biden and others, have signaled support for the job he is doing. Um, and, you know, in the context of what we were just talking about, this fall is going to have plenty of fights and drama. So uh, this starts to become a question for President Biden of, does he, if he wants to reappoint Chairman Powell, 
Um, does he just kind of say that now to try and take that fight off the table? Or does he kind of uh, wait until after the, these fights on, um, you know, the infrastructure, the social infrastructure bill, uh, debt ceilings, government shutdown are are completed so then he can move on. So it's an interesting kind of uh, calculation that President Biden and his administration are trying to figure out right now. Um, you know, if he does reappointment Chairman Powell, you know, how much is that going to upset progressives and make them a little bit feistier in some of these uh, negotiations on social infrastructure? So, you know, while he is in the same party, you know, there is that kind of internal politics uh, that, you know, that has to be navigated. You know, he could obviously uh, choose not to uh, reappoint uh, Chairman Powell to be chairman. Uh, now, Chairman Powell could still be serving on the Federal Reserve because his his uh, tenure as a board member does not expire until 2028. Um, so there, there are some complexities here. Uh, that will p- be playing out over the next few weeks. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of a, just an internal uh, calculation for the Biden administration to figure out how, how they're going to uh, time this and, you know, besides what decision they actually make, uh, how, how they want to move forward. Okay, well, it sounds like a lot of considerations go into this important decision, so perhaps we'll hear something in short order, though. Uh, Shane, thank you for bringing us up to speed on what this process has consisted of and uh, what's going through the president's mind, perhaps, before he makes this decision. Shane, always great catching up. Thank you for joining us again on a Tuesday morning and for bringing us up to speed on a variety of timely topics, uh, many of which we'll indeed follow up on. So uh, we'll wrap it up for today, but look forward to continuing the conversation again soon. Great. Sounds good, Dan. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Van Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.